Today on Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm going to try and read the headlines here, but my dog is pushing the mouse away from my hand right now. A dark force seems to feed off the negative energy of the living, giving its strength to torments. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. And if you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person, as we call them. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. $5 a month gets you access to all of our bonus episodes, advanced episodes, uh, the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories, our ebook, our audio book, both Amazon and Audible bestsellers. You get all of it uh, for five bucks a month at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? I'm I'm not saying that I'm 100% sure of this, but I think that may have been the first time I've ever heard you talk about your dog. So I was kind of surprised you even have one. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a golden retriever. He's sitting right here next to me. And when, Oh, that's so great. I yeah, love dogs. Yeah. And he um, when when we get in here, and he'll lay down here eventually. But you know how initially they always have to be like, where is your hands? What are your hands doing? Because then they want to like push their, their nose against them. So at the beginning of the show here, I'm like, I'm trying to get the mouse over here to a certain screen and over here i'm running the board with this hand and he doesn't know where to go so he's running back and forth and like trying to nudge my hand on the board and nudge my hand with the mouse and until i i give him a little bit of attention but yeah so he's uh he's the studio dog he hangs out with me all the time yeah i mean i've i've, I've heard the pig stories i've heard the dead pig stories <laughs> yes, i've heard yes. you know various stories of farm animals but mm-hmm. i've never heard the dog stories which like i said it's kind of surprising that you've got one i actually have four dogs Shut up. Yeah, I have four dogs. I have. Let me ask you something. How do you have any time to even (laughs) uh, take a pee or a crap or or anything? Well, me and the dogs Uh, like to do it together. Sometimes we use a litter box, you know, and that works. It's about efficiency. My God, that's crazy. <laughs> I have the two great Pyrenees that are out in the uh, the pasture. And then there's Bear, who is a German Spitz. He's a tinier one. And he likes to hang out with the cats down in the barn because uh, he's more their size. Uh, so he's down there. And I have I have a total of four cats. You so. really it's it's Tony's barnyard. I mean, that's it really basically is. What's going yes, on. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's a petting zoo and then we'll have ponies that walk around in circles and i give rides uh, the dogs go on the ponies and they get their rides in the morning when they bring their ticket up it's really fun it's really kind of weird and creepy at the same time but it's really fun and uh, everybody loves it <laughs> well i i mean i think my my level of love for you went up if that's even possible because now i have no you have dogs but oh holy yeah crap lots of uh lots of, and i have five chickens and the two cows. I have two cows because one of the cows was getting a little bit. Uh, he was the bull and he was kind of getting a little mean. And I just didn't want to have Harper around that. So um, I uh, my neighbor bought him. But my uh, two Jersey cows are out there and they think they're dogs because they come up to you and they try and rub their head against you. And they don't realize that they're like a thousand some pounds of just force. So they can right. easily knock you over. But they think they're dogs. 
And it's it's funny. The dogs will go running around and the littler one, who is pretty big now, um, just kind of trots along with the dogs and does what they're doing. And I think inadvertently is going to like step on one of the dogs at some point and not realizing her full force. But uh, yeah, it's fun. Well, that I mean, listen, the next time your parents come to town, mm-hmm. uh, let me know. I'll ride with them. I'll come down and see you. <laughs> you have fun with that car ride. OK, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, there'll be uh, libations along the way. <laughs> You'll need them. <laughs> Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to our next, our first story of the day. It says, growing up, I endured a lot of abuse and the eldest child living in the house would endure the brunt of the other abuse, physical, emotional, and verbal. First was my oldest brother, then myself, then my younger, my younger eldest brother. We were a large family and inherited my grandmother's home. We lived in poor conditions in an upper-middle-class neighborhood. There were times the water was shut off. We'd have to shower at the neighbors, power as well, spurts of food scarcity throughout the year. Both grandparents passed in our house. It was a complete hoard. The house held all of us kids, a business, my mother's previous household items, grandmother's, and what he brought along with him. My mother and he would drag us through different religious beliefs and occult practices. It started with Christianity to Catholicism to pagan to Wicca to dabbling in Satanism, but landing on Native American spiritualism. He was Mexican, but decided to change his name for the fifth time and claimed to be Native American. Although my step-grandparents were from Mexico and proud of it, there was a lot of practicing without using your brain and protecting yourself. To top all of this, my grandparents were rock Hounds that had buckets close to 100 10 gallon buckets of crystals. So, practicing different arts and not being cautious, hoarding, and major filth, suspected drug usage and alcoholism, violence, offenses to nature and children, extreme negativity, and while happening with mounds of supernatural batteries around us. Nothing could go wrong, right? Right. See, I'm not here to tell my story of abuse. It would take a novel, but to tell my story of supernatural experiences. There were tons. This home used to be a beautiful place to visit. My grandmother playing the organ as you came in. Christmas held every year. Lots of love and laughter. She always hated him, but loved my mom, her grandchildren. When she passed, we all moved in. It all started then. He was always abusive, but it ended up being intensified. At five years old, we had to navigate boxes piled to the ceiling and trying to get away when we would feel like we were being grabbed by something. By eight, we all had our rooms set up. I'd lay awake in bed and watch shadow figures chasing back and forth, white and black figures. They'd pause at my door as if to see if I saw them. I heard something say that sounded like my grandmother. Don't let them know you can see them no matter what. I heeded this warning and would never react to them. It'd make you feel extremely uneasy. I'd not look out of my window at night at the crystals or in between the cherry trees. I get to that later when I eventually did and did not listen to my own intuition. My eldest younger brother had a room next to mine and made the mistake himself once and it absolutely terrified him. He screamed extremely loud, came running. He said he saw something with dark, glossy eyes and sharp, jagged teeth. The fog from its breath was still on the window. He slept in my room that night. I've always been protective over my brothers, even sacrificed my justice so they might have some sort of normalcy in their lives. 
The entire time living there, I could go to the backyard from the right of the house or through the glass sliding doors on the right. But going to the left was something entirely different. I do not know why. It just was. I was then the first time I saw what I dubbed the pig man. He had an axe, overalls, and a pig-like head, but was at least seven feet tall. I tried to chalk it up to imagination, but my eldest niece at four years old when I was 15 saw it too. I never told her about it. She was terrified, screaming and shaking. That confirmed what I saw. Fast forward again to when I was 16. I was dealing with depression, had attempted suicide on my 13th birthday, and somehow failed, thankfully, by swallowing every single pill in the house. Chewable fluoride tablets, herbal, Kirkland bottles of aspirin, Tylenol, etc. I ended up being miserable for two weeks, vomiting and barely able to move. Now, my mother did not take me to the hospital. She was afraid it would expose the extreme abuse I endured all my life up to this point. I had dealt with a breakup that truly hurt for the first time, angry with uh, with uh, evening that had happened, with everything that had happened to me, and extremely emotional. I started to scream at God, incredibly angry, very emotional, screaming. I was home alone when I did this. It was storming as well. Remember those two cherry trees? Well, it came out from behind the left one, between the two. It was blacker than black, long, long fingernails, long, squid-like hair. Sorry, best way to describe it, as it was moving. Its teeth jagged and a wicked smile, and its eyes, they were even darker than it. It was roughly five feet tall, crouching and running. It would run up extremely fast, pause, move side to side, then it crouched down and smiled at me. Every single hair on my body stood up. It popped up, back up from its crouch and started running towards me from midway in the backyard. When I say I flew out of that room, I do not mean I grew wings and flew off. I ran faster than I ever had in my entire life. and was out of my room until somebody came home. I did drink as an unhealthy coping mechanism, and as an unhealthy coping mechanism, but never did drugs and was not drinking when this happened. My mom kicked me out at 17 after attempting to press charges again and again, recanting to keep my brothers together and her threats of suicide. At 21, I was a new mom and had survived dying while giving birth. I had a childhood friend who was very Christian, never drank, etc. She told me she was walking by my old house and saw that same thing on the power lines, chewing on the cables to my old house. She said she saw it and she immediately ran home, scared. She said she felt like it was looking for me and she had to warn me. It would eventually catch up to me every two years or so. Then I'd move again. I finally moved across the country at this point, and thankfully, I believe it cannot follow me. As for my life now, I'm incredibly happy, married, two children, stable, and working on myself. As for always being an empath and feeling things, I've abstained from opening that floodgate here until I feel like I'm spiritually and emotionally healthy enough to handle it again. Edit as you wish, but the simple ghost that goes bump in the night does not really bother me. It's a demonic I'm convinced plagued me that I hope I never encounter again. So a very dark situation, very dark setting for everything to, uh, you know, kind of conjure itself together. Literally. And I mean, that sounds like that sounds like a movie that sounds like a novel. And um, when you're around, if you're around situations where there's already energy and already spirits mm -hmm. and already bumps in the night, and then you throw in all that negative ne negativity and all that craziness. I mean, there was just a lot of craziness in that family. I'm not calling anybody crazy, but the 
relationship with him, as she kept calling him, mm-hmm. um, the, the relationship with her mom, all the different religions. It seemed like they were searching for something, but never quite quite found it. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like a doorway to all this, this horrible stuff. And it sounds like this individual had to deal with it. I think, you know, negative energy is going to be attracted to chaos. And that's really, it sounded like their parents... Uh, the whole family, for the most part, other than the children being the children who were just enduring the choices of the parents, it's like they were addicted to chaos. All they knew was chaos. If there wasn't chaos, they were going to create their own chaos. And when you have that, that sort of an environment, um, I, I think it attracts things. And I think it can also just create its own thing just by that nervous energy that never really, you know, has a, a direction that the the humans are giving off. And, and that, you know, I, I think it can lead to all sorts of, you know, uh, craziness literally yeah it reminds me a little bit of the after stories of the lutz family and how george lutz was kind of doing some stuff and and what that all created in that situation in amityville so Mm -hmm. it reminded me a little bit of that but certainly uh taking it up several notches i i think there's going to be another amityville special because god knows the world needs one more um uh coming out in october somewhere i saw Laura DiDio had posted something on Facebook recently um, where they were sitting down for some interviews with something. I don't know. I still find that case super fascinating. And every once in a while, there's still little little nuggets that come out that are kind of, you know, make you reexamine it a little bit. I mean, what is right. you, what's your uh, what's your take on it? I know you've probably seen the, the Miamiville horror and the docs and the interviews and all that. Um, you know, what, what what is your take on the the whole situation? I think my take has evolved over the years. Obviously, when you first watch the movie and you see the blood coming down the walls and all that kind of stuff, that's your that's your thought process on what what happened there. Yeah. But, and I think you and I have discussed this. I think that I have this feeling that the story about George kind of doing the occult and kind of bringing some of this stuff on and just the negativity that he brought to the family, and probably I'm not saying there was, but maybe some abuse and stuff like that. I think that created the outcome that we know that created the the family fleeing the home that created eventually the movie that created all the backstory that came out from family members. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think something happened there. I think that the tragedy that took place with the killing of the family may have played into it because of the energy and all that kind of stuff. What the real truth is, who knows? Yeah. And it's a hard one to kind of grasp or, you know, wrap your mind around because the ones who are alive are the kids and one of them doesn't talk about it. Um, I believe the daughter doesn't hasn't ever spoken publicly. The sons have, um, you know, that's where you have Miamiville Horror, uh, the doc. And Chris will speak about it from time to time, um, but also be kind of elusive on what he's going to talk about and when. And I don't really know what to make of mm-hmm. him sometimes with with what and I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of got a an interesting energy about him. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I think because of that, that story is really not uh, fully complete. Like yeah. that story will evolve over time because mm-hmm. of what's happening right now with that family. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, you know, I, I'd love to hear more about their perspective and, and maybe we'll hear more of it throughout the years. Um, it just seems to be, um, I don't know, it, just, it, it doesn't feel complete yet. Right. Um, so uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller. Hi. 
So this story isn't about something that happened to me, although I have had experiences in the past, but this was a story that actually happened to my sister and it was retold by my mother. And uh, my sister, she was very, very sensitive. Um, she would have trouble sleeping. She would freak out to where she would say she would see different things. We used to, like, tie red pieces of garments to her crib and burn candles because she just was very, very agitated, especially at night. And because she always said she heard something or saw something. But this this story in particular, my mother went and purchased a vehicle from a, a dealer. And when she took my sister to go see this vehicle, my sister started freaking out. She was screaming and crying that, you know, um, fire, 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 and there's an angel with a broken wing on fire inside of the car, and my mother just could not console her. She kept trying to get her to calm down and get near the car, and my sister is flailing around, wanting nothing to do with the vehicle, and she keeps saying, there is an angel with a broken wing, and it's on fire. So she screams and cries herself to sleep, and my mother purchases this vehicle and puts her in the car seat and in the car. And as they're driving back, they get back to the house, and my mother gets out of the vehicle really, really quickly and just turns around um, to start taking stuff out of the car, and all of a sudden, there was smoke coming out of the the hood of the vehicle and this the smoke starts bellowing out and all of a sudden the hood catches fire and my mother immediately and this is where i come in she starts screaming for me to come downstairs because there is an issue and my mother is trying to open the car door which ends up being locked and she can't get it open uh for my my sister's side and the car just keeps going up in smoke and fire just keeps you know bellowing out and this is where the neighbors had come in and they're trying to call 911 to have a fi the fire department come and put out put it out so finally my mother's screaming and screaming so she opens up the uh her driver's side door again the smoke is starting to bellow into the car and my mom is trying to unlock the back door to be able to get to my sister and she's screaming for Sydney to wake up. And she's very, very small at this point. Um, and my sister wakes up and she just starts seeing the fire. And she ends up freaking out and she's screaming, I told you, I told you, I told you the angel with the broken wing is on fire. And she just keeps screaming the angel the angel and my mom finally is able to open up the car door and grab my, my sister and pull her out of the vehicle and you know eventually by the time I finally came down the stairs 
um, there's just smoke all down that, um, down the street on the sidewalk. And again, I'm not quite sure where my mother purchased this vehicle, whether she purchased it in the Bronx or anything, but my mother said that she had that vehicle for less than an hour. And that's just a story that we continue. We, we tell her to this day of what happened and she doesn't remember, remember anything of it, but we do. Oh, thank you so much for allowing us to talk about our story and we hope that it will show up on the podcast. Thank you. Quite a story of, you know, Hi, of those, those sort of premonitions uh, that, uh, you know, were coming through like that uh, from that child. Well, a, a wild story. And I wonder if that child later in life continued to have premonitions. And it always reminds me of movies where I was watching one over the weekend. It wasn't very good, but it was about this family and the little girl was seeing things. And of course, the mother also saw things, but she was telling the child, you know, that that doesn't happen. There's no such thing as this. And then bad things happen. And it's like, when when somebody says this is going to happen and then it happens, why does the family just go, well, that didn't mean anything? You know, when do you, when do you open your eyes and go, maybe there's something to this? And, and again, in this situation, I would just like to know if that individual had further experiences in their life where they saw things, experienced things before they happened. Yeah, it would be interesting to know that. And if they, you know, if that has continued and if that was kind of just, you know, one of those you know childhood things where, Sometimes they're a little bit closer to the veil there, or uh, if it's uh, a sensitivity that they were able to to continue to have. Uh, thank you for sharing that one. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hey, it's the past again. Yes, this is Sue. I have a continuing story for you to hear. Um, it, it has to do with my father-in-law. Well, you, you know the story of how my husband and I got put in a nursing home together. When my father-in-law would come and visit us um, once a week or however, and I loved his visits. He was 86 then, but he managed to come in. But little by little, he got to where he couldn't come to visit us, and that upset me a whole lot. My husband could go to see him, but I was still a little too ill to visit him at his home. But I always talked to him on the phone. Well, two weeks before he passed away, I felt thump, thump, thump on my foot, footboard, and I looked up, and it was my father-in-law. And I'm thinking, what's he doing here so early? Patrick's gone to dialysis. Well, he walks to the end of my footboard and he just disappears. And I'm like, oh no. So I, when my husband got home, back to the nursing home, yeah, um, I told him to call and make sure his dad was all right. Yes, he was. But two weeks later, he passed away. So, um, I, uh, was wondering about him and he, I was hoping he knew that I missed him a whole lot. 
And just about two weeks ago, my husband asked me, well, have you seen Dad? And at first I thought, okay. But he he was talking about, because he's never doubted me seeing ghosts. And I said, no, hon, I haven't. And he was just wondering, because he was wondering, uh, because he knew I was upset. Well, a week ago, I was laying here in bed after doing my exercises. And the corner of my eye, yes, the corner of the eye, see, I saw somebody walking in straight across the room and stopped at the end of my bed. And I'm thinking, who, who is this? They stopped, turned, looked at me, smiled, and then just disappeared. And a lot of people would get freaked out. Yes, a lot of people would, especially when they smiled at you. But it was a beautiful smile. And I'm thinking, that was my father-in-law. And I couldn't believe it. He was letting me know that he was happy. That was the continuation of the story. So I ended up calling my husband, because, yes, he's in a separate building now, and told him, and he goes, oh, okay. I said, and yes, he smiled. So that's my, I'm hoping the end of that story there. But I would also like to thank you and Carol for the sweet things you said about me from my last story. I really enjoyed it. And you guys are like family to me. Thank you. And sorry, but a belated August 5th birthday to you. I hope you and Harper had a nice time. I'm hoping to hear this story. And you all take care. God bless. Thank you for those kind words and thank you for sharing uh, that uh, continuation of the story with us. Thoughts? Um, It's always nice, I think, when we lose someone and they come back to us. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people who are not, I don't want to say believers, but not open to it, not willing to accept that it's possible, I think they lose out on an opportunity to connect in a way that uh, was impossible to connect here on earth. Uh So the fact that her father-in-law came just to basically say, you know what, I'm doing okay. Everything's fine. A pretty special moment. I'm glad that she was able to experience that. I am too. And, and open to all that as well. Thank you for sharing that with us. Let's do one more call. Hi. Hey, how are you? Um, So I'm actually from Ecuador and this story takes place there. Um, it's a little complicated, well, not really, but basically um, it all started um, at nine. It usually, I always, I always wake up in, in the morning and I knew, never knew if something that had happened the night before it was something that I dream about or it was something that actually happened because it happened a lot of times where things happened before and I thought it was a dream and people are like, oh, no, that in fact happened. And, and this is one of those um, type of stories. Well, it happened that I was sleeping and then out of nowhere I wake up. And this is what, I don't know if it was a dream, it was in fact, 
But it's something after that happened that it makes me question if it was an actual, if it actually happened. Well, the thing is that I was, uh, I was sleeping. I wake up, and then I notice that under my bed there was this blue and light, um, blue and light, blue and green light. I'm sorry. Um, that was coming under my bed, and I remember like looking under, and I saw the light, but I couldn't figure out what exactly it was, and that's all I remember. I was very little. I was like probably like eight years old or nine years old. So that happened. I always question like what that was. I never figure it out. Well, years passed, and then uh, one time I was I listened to a phone call from my mom that I shouldn't have. Uh, but this time she was already divorced from her husband. Um, my stepdad at the time, and I remember she was telling one of her friends one of what happened to her one time that she I was uh, staying with my dad when that happened. I wasn't staying, so she had an argument with her ex-husband, and she decided to stay in the room. Keep in mind, my mom was pregnant. By this, uh, when this happened, my mom was pregnant. She was probably in her first trimester, and she said that when she was sleeping, she felt something being on her. And she saw the same lights, the same blue and, and green lights coming from underneath, and she felt that something on top of it, on top of her, and she couldn't exactly figure out what exactly it was. It so they didn't have a face, but it had like human, like a human form, and she couldn't figure out. For some reason, she's a very Catholic uh, woman, so the first thing she did, for some reason, was uh, go to the church and. Until the priestess, and the first thing she says to my mom is like, "You lost that baby," and my mom was a little concerned, like, "Well, would you say something like that?" Like after I told you this, and well, my mom makes an appointment with the doctor, and in fact, she lost that baby. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it was really weird. And the fact I, I shouldn't have heard that, but I did. I was being, uh, I shouldn't have, but. The fact that it did, what it really concerned me, it was the fact that she mentioned the lights, too. And, yeah, I thought that was really weird. And this was a house, we've been living in this apartment for a few years now, and we never, besides I had any, like, any paranormal experiences, besides that, but that was very weird. The fact that the priest told her for some reason that she lost that baby. Well, I just want to tell you guys my story. I really love enjoying, um, I really love hearing you show it, and. I hope both of you be safe. Bye bye. How horrifying! That's like kind of a nightmare, you know, scenario of suddenly lights come on from under your bed, and it's there's something that is kind of reaching out to you. Uh, yeah, all the more reason just to not have your legs off the side of the bed, I guess. <laughs> I like those. Uh, they're like little uh, memes or cartoons or whatever that you find online. It's like you're you're too hot, so you put your yeah. your leg outside the covers, but you know you know the monster's going to get you, so you pull it back in. Very strange story, and it sounds like it was kind of a one and done kind of thing where the experience happened with the bed, and then knowing that the baby was lost. It mm -hmm. sounds like a very quick experience that didn't linger too long. But again. Every once in a while, I think those stories kind of happen in people's lives and they kind of shake you for that moment and you never let go of that feeling. Yeah, it would just be, I, I, it would be so alarming, I think, you know, because it wasn't because it was like the, she had that experience one other time too, didn't she? Where she said that she saw the light by the bed and it, right. it was just weird. I mean, I, I would be so fearful now that every time, you know, if that starts to be a frequent thing, it's like, who's dead? You know, like what's going on? Like, it seems to be like the calling card of something 
like that happening. Oh, there's lights coming out from under the bed. Something's dying. You know, it. God, that's <laughs> just ah, uh, it's something out of a horror movie. But it's like a, it's a, like a little gift that you have or something that you're yeah. able to do that you wish you weren't able to do, you know? Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark, uh, the one that you don't want. <laughs> very good, yes, very good. Yep. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap up today's uh, episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person. And EPP, sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash Stories. Get access to all the bonus episodes, advanced episodes, and more. Until next time, for Todd, I'm Tony. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Online.